This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, before we get started with the football questions, are you a bracket guy? A little March Madness. How's your bracket doing if you filled one out? Are you is that just <laughs> is that just beneath you? You don't even do that. No, I'll tell you what, it is definitely not beneath me. I am so beneath it. <laughs> um, I've determined in, the, in my lifetime of filling out brackets, I got a better shot of whatever money you would put in that pool, I buy Powerball tickets. I think that's a great because, strategy. Because I have no knowledge, even back in the day when I wasn't like NFL uh, football 24-7, 365, when my job was, you know, based covering sports based on the seasons, um, I, I I learned very quickly. I knew nothing about it. So, <laughs> I'd like to watch it though. But oh, who yeah, doesn't? Not, you know what? You know what is a good pool. What? Um, you know how Super Bowl pools often, you know, you buy a square and it's right. numbers. Yes. Well, yeah, you get that for the whole tournament. Because then it's just a matter of luck. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd rather. No offense, it kind of is a matter of luck, even when you just pick the bracket straight up too. St. <laughs> Peter's is in the Sweet Sixteen, for God's sake. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some questions from Steelers Nation. Our first one comes from Mary Calusi from Patton, Pennsylvania, and she asks, "What is the order of the draft picks for the Steelers after number twenty overall in the first round of this year's draft?" I can't find an article anywhere addressing this question. Um, well, Mary, the, the reason you couldn't was because um, the league doesn't, you know, set the entire draft order until the league awards the compensatory picks. Uh, that happened about a week or so ago, and so now uh, here they are. Here's the Steelers' uh, draft. They have seven picks after they got a fourth-round compensatory. Um First round is 20th overall. Second round is 52nd overall. Third round is 84th overall. Their fourth round is where they got their compensatory pick. That's 138th overall. Uh, the Steelers have no pick in the fifth round. Uh, in the sixth round, uh, the 138th overall pick, which was the Steelers' original pick, that goes to Jacksonville uh, for the Joe Schober trade. But the Steelers do get Kansas City's sixth-round pick from the Melvin Ingram trade, and that's 208th overall. In the seventh round, the Steelers have two picks. The Jets' 225th overall pick, that's the final piece of the Avery Williamson trade. And then uh, their last pick is 241st overall. And the last pick in the draft is 262nd overall. There you go. Great summary. I can't believe you did all that research. It's incredible. Actually, um, full full disclosure, as I said, the league, once they set it up and award the compensatory picks, they send out you know, a, a, a chart, and they list all the picks and then the order. So it was just a matter of going through that document. I'll edit that out. It's not out. like I did. No, I'll edit that out so we can make it seem like you combed through each draft pick by pick and mapped it out. <laughs> No, the, the listeners aren't that stupid. <laughs> Keith they Carter. Know, from they know me better than, <laughs> than Matt. From Jacksonville, Florida asks, Jordan Davis from Georgia is an elite run stuffer. Do you think his impact as a two-down player is enough to be considered with this year's first-round pick? 
Okay, Keith, um, I don't study a lot of video, um, you know, go back and watch old games and, you know, the senior bowl and practices and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. So I'm not going to pretend to be a scout. I'll let others uh, in this business handle that thing. Uh, my concern about Jordan Davis is um, I'm worried about too many people being seduced by his combine performance. And then you give that more weight in his evaluation than how he played uh, on a national championship Georgia Bulldogs team. So um, I believe um, Jordan Davis can be an elite run stuffer in the NFL. But, you know, at Georgia, he was a two-down player. And if he's the kind of guy who in the NFL uh, cannot contribute anything to his future team's pass rush, uh, then I don't know whether he would be worthy of the 20th overall pick in the upcoming draft. I do like the way you're thinking in terms of a defensive lineman, uh, first overall. Uh, there's some other defensive linemen on that Georgia team that are pretty good, though, no doubt. too. Yeah, I mean, I think that position has just changed, right? Like, you can't just be that plug-up-the-middle, stop-the-run guy. You have to do that, but you also have to be a pretty decent pass rusher to play in today's NFL. They, they just pass more right. than they ever have. Yes, and there and there's no situation in which the opposing offense will not pass. True. Uh, there is no limit on the number of how many pass plays they will call in a row. So, yeah, you, you can't – you know – you. NFL defenses now have to be ready to do both or defend against both. And the most ideal situation is not having to rotate or change a bunch of personnel if you think the other team is going to throw or if you think the other team is going to run. Rue O'Donnell from Nor Norfolk, Virginia asks, the Steelers have not named a starting quarterback, but it's easy to feel like their recent signing of Mitchell Trubisky is an indication he's the direction in which they want to go. Given the fact that he might be more of a game manager type quarterback, it'll put more pressure on Najee Harris to help carry the offense. How do you feel about Harris's ability in the passing game? Do you think he can develop into a legitimate threat as a receiver out of the backfield? A um, lot of assumptions uh, in this question. <laughs> and, you know, I really, uh, you know, it's way too early, um, you know, to assume Mitch, Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter, in my opinion, uh, and then to uh, assume what kind of a starting quarterback he's going to be. It seems to me that the question hidden in this everywhere is about Najee Harris and his ability um, to develop into a legitimate threat as a receiver in the NFL. Um, let's not forget last year, Najee Harris's rookie season. He had 74 catches. Yeah. Um, that was the most by a running back during the regular season. And so he can, you know, he, he's competent, uh, if nothing else. Also, as a rookie, if you remember in that October 31st game, excuse me, yeah, October 31st game against the Browns in Cleveland, Harris's blocking gave Ben Roethlisberger yes. the little bit of extra time he needed to throw the game-deciding touchdown pass to Pat Fryermuth. And in the NFL, if you're a running back who's going to be on the field on third downs or in passing situations, you have to be able to and willing to step up and stick your nose in a pass rusher's chest and block. That's really so the biggest is, difference, right, between college and the pros. It's like you're, you're going yes. out for passes every time, but once you get to this level, you need to know how to block or you're not going to be on the field. Oh, yeah, because you, the quarterback gets killed. Exactly. You cannot be a 
you cannot be a liability uh, in that respect. So Najee Harris is also a willing and reliable blocker. Um, he, as I mentioned, he led all uh, running backs with his 74 receptions. And in those receptions, he had 499 yards after the catch. So um, he may not be Marshall Falk in terms of, you know, running routes like a wide receiver and getting deep down the field and all that kind of stuff. But he will catch the ball. He will block. And after he does catch the ball, uh, if you're coming up to tackle him, uh, you better be ready because uh, he's not going to go down if you just, uh, you know, blow hard on him. <laughs> you need to make a tackle. Sam McCall from Bethesda, Maryland. The Steelers had to improve their offensive line this offseason. With the acquisitions of James Daniels and Mason Cole via free agency, I am greatly encouraged. The former is projected to start at right guard. Regarding Mason Cole, do you project him to be a starter or a backup? Um, you know, projections in March. There's more assumptions here, Labs, isn't there? More assumptions <laughs> in these questions. Well, assumptions and projections. That's, I guess, that's the business we're in right now. It is March. Um, uh, but they, they don't mean anything. Uh, you know, you haven't heard Mike Tomlin say, you know, I'm projecting, um, you know, um, this guy to be a starter and this guy to be a backup. And and if he doesn't say it, whoever else says it really doesn't matter. Uh, I do think, though, in, the, in, in respect to the two players you mentioned, Sam, uh, James Daniels, uh, he'll be the, the starting right guard job will figure to be his to lose because Trey Turner, who was last year's starter, is an unrestricted free agent. So rather than try and sign him, re-sign him, the Steelers chose to get someone from the outside. So that that's a more that's a smoother transition. Um, you know, Mason Cole, Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson, I don't think any of them I wouldn't write any of their names in the starting lineup in pen. And right now, if I had to, if you put a gun to my head and make me guess, I'd say those three are going to be competing for two starting jobs, those being left guard and center. And I think it's going to be a legitimate competition because the Steelers need to be better there, and it doesn't serve any purpose um, if you're trying to get better to just you know pay lip service to a competition. Yeah, I think Steelers fans should be excited that there's going to be a competition like that heading into camp because, like you said in the question, Sam, the Steelers had to improve their offensive line this offseason, and at least on paper they've done so so far. But we won't know until they actually you know, play the games, right? Or at least get on the practice field in pads at training camp. True. Chris Baker from St. Louis, Missouri asks, why would the Steelers pay over $7 million a year to a guy who is not a proven starter? I'm not a professional, but it looks like the Steelers have committed to Trubisky as their starter for this year at least. This guy was terrible in Chicago, and the Steelers are ready to go all in? I have a different definition of all in from Chris. (laughs) Um, Well, actually, there's a few things at work here. Uh, First of all, um, Trubisky's contract, uh, it's a two-year, $14 million deal. Okay, plus incentives. Okay, but you know he has to earn those incentives, and those kinds of incentives, what they put in there, you know, are often stuff like winning the Super Bowl, being MVP, and hey, 
if he if he wins the Super Bowl and he's the league MVP, I'll pay the you know we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll me and you Tom we'll pitch in take up and a we'll collection, help them yeah. pay the pay the incentives. So you know seven million dollars a year is not a lot of money for an NFL quarterback these days. I mean, do I really need to? You know, Case Keenum makes six million dollars in base salary. Um, his cap number is eight point three million. Taysom Hill, mm. uh, he was the flavor of the month there one time. His cap number is twelve point three million, and now that Sean Payton's gone, the Saints are saying he's not even in the mix yeah. to be their quarterback this year. So there's a lot of, you know, you six seven million dollars just isn't a lot of money anymore uh, for the position. Now, um, I don't believe that the Steelers are committed to Mitch Trubisky as the starter. Uh, I, I do believe that the way it's going to go is there's going to be a competition, and it the major um, participants will be Trubisky and Rudolph. You know, I don't think Dwayne Haskins is necessarily ready, and you know what Bill Cowher still talks about is three quarterbacks for a competition in training camp and in the preseason is one too many. You can't get them reps. You can't, you know, you don't see them enough with the various personnel groupings uh, to make a complete uh, evaluation. So that's the way I see it. It's going to be two guys competing uh, for the starting job. But, you know, this um, characterization of him as being terrible in Chicago, it's just not accurate. Right. I mean, the guy was 29 and 21 as a starter. He made the Pro Bowl. He completed 64%. 64 touchdowns, 38 interceptions, a rating of 87.0, and he also averaged 5.6 yards per rush. And based on, you know, a uh, interview I heard on the DV Morning Show with Jim Miller, who um, played for the Bears, uh, works in the media in Chicago, and you know knows something about quarterbacks since he played it. Some, something about it. I mean, I don't want to <laughs> label. No, 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 no offense to Jim Miller. I'm just talking about because guys who also comment on quarterback who played it are somebody like Dan Orlovsky, who during his career, he didn't know that if you stepped out of the back yes. of the end zone. Major oversight from him there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, no offense to Jim Miller. I was just speaking generally about ex-quarterbacks being analysts now. Um you know, Trubisky's only going to be 28 in August. Uh, he does need to work on his completions percentage. He's going to have to cut down on his interceptions. But characterizing him as terrible in Chicago just isn't backed up by the facts. He's also, you know, let's not, he's not Dan Marino either. It's true. Uh, or Ben Roethlisberger or, or, or any of that. But terrible. Um, is is not an accurate uh, characterization. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You got to improve that completion percentage, and you definitely got to cut down on the interceptions. But scoring seventy two total touchdowns in his time in Chicago, eight via the ground and sixty four via the air, that's a lot of touchdowns. I mean, he's a, definitely a playmaker. He's got the skill. He just needs to get a little bit of that erraticness out of his game. Get those interceptions out of his game. Yeah, and I, I you know, I do think that um, you know the Steelers also. Um, what this signing shows me, and fans will agree with it or not, and I won't really reveal which side of this I'm on at this particular point, but they're all in with Matt Canada. Oh, yeah. um, this is a guy who can, when you when you hear about the kind of offense 
that Canada likes to run, Mitch Trubisky has a lot of the characteristics and skills that should fit well with that scheme. So, you know, uh, just like with players, a quarterback, for example, you need to have good players around him to truly get uh, an accurate evaluation of him. Um, I might uh, extend this to say that in order to get an accurate evaluation of whether Matt Canada, his uh, scheme, his offense, whatever you want to call it, can succeed in the league, uh, you need to give him the kind of players who um, might have the skill set that he needs to do that at the various positions. So um, let's we'll find out. And our final question today comes from Nathan Geisler from Boise, Idaho. The Steelers historically have had great defensive players, but I divide it into two different defenses. First was the 4-3 alignment with the famous steel curtain front four of the 1970s, and then starting in 1982 came the 3-4 alignment. In your opinion, who would be your starting seven and their backups in the 3-4 alignment since 1982? Okay, well, this is is a question that I will answer. (laughs) But Nathan, let me tell you, I... uh, I didn't do a lot of research on this. <laughs> Probably less research than I did for Mary's question about the draft. <laughs> um, and you know, the, I, the, there's the game has changed considerably since 1982. We've already talked about this a little bit with regards to the uh, Nathan Davis. Uh, no, excuse me, Jordan Davis. Nathan Davis was a musician. Um, Jordan Davis question. And, you know, me mentioning that uh, you can't have just run-stopping defensive linemen anymore in the NFL because, you know, it's a passing league a lot of the times. Right. So uh, I'm kind of ignoring a lot of that and not trying because I don't know which rules we're playing under and, you know, all of that different stuff. So I'm just going to kind of give you, uh, when I pick my team, uh, guys that I think best could have the capability of playing in any era. So here we go. Um, Defensive line, I got Aaron Smith and Cam Hayward uh, with Casey Hampton in the middle. Uh, The inside linebackers, Farrier and Ryan Shazier, T.J. Watt and Greg Lloyd as the outside linebackers. Um, Lloyd is one of my um, all-time favorites slash underrated Steelers players of the, what I would refer to as the modern era, post-82, to use Nathan's um, guidelines. Um, the guy was a three-time three-time successive first-team AP All-Pro outside linebacker. If he didn't uh, injure his ankle, or excuse me, if he didn't tear his patellar tendon and then injure an ankle in the 96 and 97 seasons respectively, uh, I've talked to people on the Hall of Fame Board of Selectors, and they believe that Greg Lloyd would have been in the conversation, certainly uh, for the Hall of Fame, based on the trajectory uh, that his career was going. So anyway, that's plus Lloyd had a uh, an attitude that, um, to me, um, you got to have on defense. One quick story on Lloyd: I once asked Dick LeBeau in the cafeteria on the south side, if you could have any player you've ever coached to build a defense around, who would you pick? And I, I, I'm 
firmly believed he would say Rod Woodson. Right. He said Greg Lloyd. So that shows you something else about this guy. Okay. Uh, my backups. Along the defensive line, I would have Hart, Javon Hargrave in the middle uh, for the reasons that we discussed with the Jordan Davis thing. Javon Hargrave was a decent nose tackle, but you didn't have to take him off the field and passing downs. The guys flanking him would be Brett Kiesel and Ray Seals. Ray Seals was another favorite uh, of Dick LeBeau because of his ability to generate pass rush without help from blitzes. Uh, he had the f- feet and hands to defeat offensive linemen in one-on-one situations and get himself to the quarterback. Um, so, again, um, you got to think about that kind of stuff. Uh, my second team or backup inside linebackers would be LaVon Kirkland and Lawrence Timmons. And then I got James Harrison and Joey Porter uh, as the outside linebackers. Oh, and then for one thing, one final thing. Uh, this all-star team, Farrier wears the green dot. No question about it. I just can't help but laugh at the, the second team being better than most teams' first teams' all-time defenses. Uh, Steelers fans are just yeah. so spoiled. You got James Harrison and Joey Porter sitting on the bench. <laughs> and they should well, be, I too. Mean, I mean, there's just guys better than them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I won't say better, but, um, you know, certainly worthy, I believe, of, you know, there's, there's as I mentioned in picking this, there are different things that different guys do really well, and you're trying to put together, you know, because the Harrison, Lloyd, Porter thing, to me, was pretty close. Um, but, again, Lloyd's uh, demeanor, as Dick LeBeau described it, um, uh, rose him to the top. Another successful round of questions answered like no one else could labs. Congratulations. It's the best <laughs> the best podcast going, right? So so do I advance uh, in your bracket yes. or what? We'll talk okay. again next week in the final four. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> That's Bob Labriola. I'm Tom Offerman. Thanks again for sending in your questions, and we'll do it again next week on Asked and Answered.